With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome into another edition of the Rocky Top Talk podcast. I am your host, Terry Lambert, joined as always by Evan Winter. Evan, how you doing tonight? Doing good, man. Glad to be back. Uh, it's been a minute, so it feels good to be to be wading in the waters again, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. It took a couple weeks off, uh, kind of let the dust settle here. Uh, I, I guess since we last talked, uh, a lot of decisions have been made with, in regards to the Tennessee basketball team. Uh, we're going to hop into that in a minute. We're going to get into some football stuff here down the road, uh, talk about a couple of articles that Evan wrote this week. Really good stuff there. Uh, yeah, before we do that, Check out our work at RockyTopTalk.com for the most up-to-date information. We've got you all covered there. All right, so jumping right in, Grant Williams, Jordan Bone, they are officially in the NBA draft, which will be held a week from now. We're we're recording this on Thursday night. Uh, Grant and Bone are, are officially staying in. I guess we shouldn't be too surprised, particularly with Bone, uh, who, who kind of talked a big game throughout this whole process. Uh, you've started to see him now work his way into some of these mock drafts that you're seeing and some of these second rounds. Uh, the guy destroyed the, the NBA combine. It looked like uh, one, of the, one of the premier athletes uh, in, in the entire draft. So he's got that going for him. Um, I, I think with that sort of athletic ability, you're going to see him come off the board somewhere in the second round. I definitely think he gets drafted. Uh, I don't think he has to worry about going undrafted. But Grant Williams was the, the kind of 50-50 call there, and maybe it wasn't even that. Maybe I was just hoping. Uh, but he goes ahead and, and makes the call. So uh, it, it's it's kind of weird, you know, thinking about Grant Williams never putting on the Tennessee jersey again. Oh, it's certainly weird. Um, you know, and just like you, I was holding out hope that – or not necessarily holding out hope. Sorry, that's the wrong expression to use. I was certainly hoping that he would just – forego all conventional wisdom or conventional logic and come back and play, you know, another another year uh, for the Vols. And it makes complete sense, you know, the move to, to go pro and all that stuff. I believe NBADraft.net has him right now going 38th to Chicago, which is pretty interesting. Um, it's not a first-round pick, but regardless, he's getting drafted, so he'll definitely have plenty of time to um, work on whatever he needs to work on. But Jordan Bone almost feels like a really forced decision. I feel like somebody's just chirping in his ear, whether it's his agent, whether it's a family member, just whoever. But, yeah, he killed at the combine, didn't really show up so much in the, uh, in the scrimmage. But right now, NBADraft.net has him going, um, I believe, yeah, 44 overall to Philadelphia. And, man, if you look at Philadelphia's roster, that's actually the perfect team for him to go. It would give him a couple years to kind of work on his game, um, even go to the G League if he really, really needed to. Uh, so there's a lot of options there for Jordan Bone. But at the same time, it feels kind of like a forced decision. So it's, it's a little peculiar, but it makes sense for both players at the end of the day. 
Yeah, and you never know what's going on with these kids. So I'm always, I'm, I'm never quick to judge a decision. Right. Uh, you know, you don't know what's going home, going on at home. Uh, you might need that money, even if it's not in the NBA necessarily. Right. Uh, so it'll it'll be interesting to see. I, like I said before, though, I, I think he does land in the NBA. I think he do, does get drafted. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm kind of with you. I, I'd like to, would have liked to have seen him come back and kind of take that lead dog role, um, be the lead point guard, number one scoring option for Tennessee. I think he could have used one more year of development. I think he could have improved his stock. Uh, but you got to do what you got to do. We'll certainly be rooting for him. Uh, Admiral Schofield uh, is also another guy that's going to be drafted. He's anywhere from I've seen mid first to to our mid twenties in the first round to you know middle of the second round somewhere in there. And Kyle Alexander ha- has gotten a lot of workouts. You know that's a guy right. that that I wasn't uh, expecting to get this much traction, but you're starting to see you know five, six, seven teams have have worked him out. Uh, starting to see those workouts on, leak on Twitter. I think he's more of an undrafted guy, but six eleven with that size, that length, that's exactly what the NBA is looking for. No, for sure. And and this is kind of a little bit off topic, but if you go back and look at, I was just talking about how uh, NBA Draftnet.net has Jordan Bone going to Philadelphia. Philadelphia has one, two, three, four picks from spots twenty four to forty four. And right now they have them taking Daniel Gafford, Carson Edwards, Chuma Okiki, and then Jordan Bone. Wow. Yeah, man, that would be a that would be a hell of a roster to build on from then on in. But uh, no, man, Admiral Schofield. I just hope wherever he can go, um, I would love to see him play probably a two or three type role, maybe probably more of a three. And I, I honestly, I would love to see him go to a team like Minnesota. Um, maybe uh, maybe Milwaukee somewhere like there where he could just play a versatile role. Maybe even Golden State they could really they, you know they can take players who can play multiple positions as well. So I don't know where where he ends up. It'll be interesting, but um, no doubt about it. A lot of talent just left the Vols basketball roster uh, after the 2018 season. Absolutely, and, and yeah, I wrote the draft profiles for for Rocky Top Talk on, on uh, Grant Williams and Admiral Schofield. Both, uh, I think, are going to be versatile guys at, at the next level. Uh, you talk about Admiral. I, I think that's a guy that can play the two through four. You know, you talk yeah. about him being 240 pounds. He's got the girth to kind of hold up in the post. Doesn't necessarily have the length. But for a team that's wanting to play small ball, you, you think about Draymond Green or, or a role like that. Right. right. Uh, it, it's just a, it, it's a different league than it was, you know, five, six, seven years ago. And I think that's good for both him and Grant Williams. So, with Grant, he, you know, we've seen him working on his shot. He shot, what, 32% from three-point range. That's going to have to improve. Uh, that's really the only thing that he could have come back to Tennessee to work on, but that's something you can obviously figure out at the next level. So uh, his fit will will be interesting. You know, six seven post player. Has the league kind of moved on from that lack of height stigma about him? We'll see. Uh, like you were saying, mocks are kind of split on him. I've seen everything from mid-second, and then I've seen him like at, at pick 15. Uh, so I, it's a really wide range there, but I, I feel pretty confident that Tennessee's going to hear at least three names called next Thursday night. But, yeah, you said it, man. Looking at this, this talent that has left this roster, uh, expectations for next year. Uh, I don't know what that looks like. You know, you've got 
Lamonte Turner and Jordan Bowden, who are going to have to be the lead guards and the lead scorers, the primary options for this team. You've got five-star Josiah James coming in. Uh, he could start at the point guard position. We'll have to see how that works. But there's a big hole right now in the Tennessee front court uh, with Kyle Alexander, Grant Williams leaving the program. Uh, I, I'm not too uh, excited about the prospects of that, but Tennessee is going after Kerry Black, Blackshear Jr., uh, the transfer from Virginia Tech. He's the top grad transfer on the market. Averaged 15 points a game last year. Was the best player on a Virginia Tech team that went to the Sweet 16. Uh, they've got plenty of competition. Uh, Kentucky's in this battle with Florida, Texas A&M. Now Memphis has emerged. So Tennessee's getting a visit from Blackshear. The interesting thing here. Tennessee does not have a scholarship to give him. That means if Blackshear commits to Tennessee, someone's got to go, uh, which is which is interesting. You start looking at a guy like Zach Kent, you know, maybe a, a guy like Jalen Johnson. Uh, you just kind of got to look at this uh, this bench a little bit and see who would go. But Tennessee's actively pursuing a couple of guys that could come onto this roster. Uh, it's just interesting how college basketball works. So. I think Blackshear is a program changer for for one year though. That's that's what you got to remember. One season with this guy, but I mean, I think he could come in and and I don't think he could match the production that Grant Williams put up last year. But I think he's in the ballpark. I think he would be immediately in the running for SEC Player of the Year. So uh, it's kind of a make it work situation. Figure it out. I think the staff would. But you know, you talk about size, Euros Plavsic. Uh, the transfer from from Arizona State, seven foot one, and he's coming in here. They're looking for a waiver so he can play next season. Uh, four years left potentially for Plavsic. Uh So that, like you said, that's something Tennessee has not had to this point. Uh, I expect that guy to come in here and start. So uh, you know him and John Fulkerson, and we still don't know what we have in DJ, DJ Burns. Strange times for Tennessee basketball. It's it's a totally new era. Thankfully, Lamonte Turner, thankfully, Jordan Bowden are going to be there to kind of usher it in. All right, yep. coming up, we're going to shift gears to the football side of things and talk about a couple of guys that need to kind of find their footing. All right, we are back. So Evan wrote a couple of good posts on RockyTopTalk.com. You can go check those out now. Um, three underclassmen that need to break out and three upperclassmen that need to break out. Uh, so we're going to kind of go back and forth here. Um, I differ a little bit from Evan, but uh, Evan, this was your idea, so I'll kind of let you start. Give me uh, your first upperclassman that needs to break out for Tennessee to have a successful 2019 season? So this one's a little bit conditional, but if everything works out like we hope it to, or like it hope it does, like Tennessee hope it does, then Aubrey Solomon, man, I mean, if he, he automatically fills a position of need. He was the second overall defensive tackle in the entire country um, according to the 24-7's composite rankings coming out of high school. I mean, yeah, the Vols had Khalil McKenzie and Shy Tuttle. We know how that worked out. Didn't really work out. Um, but either way, Aubrey Solomon, if he comes in and he lives up to his potential and if he's eligible this year immediately, I mean, that's an automatic upgrade to this defensive line. It takes a lot of pressure off the second level who just lost Darren Kirkland 
uh, to injury. Um, you know, he retired and all that good stuff. And I mean, you just you gotta love what he can do at his size. And I, I just really feel like if he comes to life this year, obviously he's got to be eligible. But if he can just even be three quarters of what this coaching staff expects him to be, then he should be the best player on the defensive line. One thousand percent agree on Solomon, and I have no idea what's taking so long on this waiver right. process. It, it reminds me of JJ Peterson from last year. You know, just that kind of up in the air, not not the same context in regards to the situation, but just you know, lack of information. Will yeah. he? Will he? That type of deal. It's strange because it, you know, no one else seems to have have issues with this this waiver system. You know, Tate Martell <laughs> got it the second he announced he was transferring to Miami. Right. Uh, you know, and he played last year for Ohio State. So I don't, I don't understand all that. But uh, we're, we're continuing to wait and see there. But yeah, that, that's a body that they need. It's a guy that would start right away and be an impact player. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna go ahead and, and knock the obvious one off the board. I'm surprised you didn't uh, in, in your article, but I'm just gonna go ahead and say Jerry Garantano. Um, you know, a junior now. The lights, the lights got to come on. And we've talked at, at length before about Garantano and, and how tough it is to evaluate him as a player because of this offensive line that's been in front of him, because of the offensive systems uh, that he's been in, you know, multiple offensive coordinators. This is his fourth coordinator. He's a junior. It's wild. So Jim Chaney finally in here. He's, he's finally got some stability. It's a similar system to last year. Uh, got some freshman upgrades coming in on the offensive line. We'll see how quickly they – they kind of set up shop there, but it, it's time for the light to come on for Jerry Garantano. That's the single, uh, you know, player that that could take Tennessee from a, a six-win team to a nine-win team. For sure, and I I really wanted to put him on there. I just felt it was really obvious, right? And also, and and in our group chat, Austin um, has done a really good power T tape for those who don't his uh, his uh, pseudonym and all that good stuff, but. Um, uh, he makes he always brings up really good points about just how even though yes Garantano is surrounded by a lack of talent, how he just doesn't really do anything to elevate the game around him as well. You know, I mean, what he's thrown four touchdowns in one month is the most he's ever thrown. Um, last year was twelve touchdowns, career high. He threw nine touchdowns the season before in ten games or whatever it was. So you're talking about twenty-one touchdowns in probably twenty games. I mean, at some point, you've got to just be better. You've got to have better numbers. You've got to be able to fire the ball out or get rid of the ball quicker, um, all that good stuff. And I really feel like he'll take that step this year. But I honestly, man, a breakout season for Garantano, in my mind, is 18 touchdowns. And honestly, I feel like there are other players that could contribute a little bit more than that. Yeah, and, and you know, he's got the people around him to do it. You talk about his lack of help. and The lack of help is not a receiver. I mean, Joanne Jennings, Marcus yeah. Callaway, Josh Palmer, uh, even you look at running backs, Tim Jordan, uh, you know, you got Chandler in the backfield now, potentially Eric right. Gray, Jeremy Banks. There, there's a lot of talent at the skill positions there. Uh, he just hasn't had it, you know, up front on the offensive line, and obviously that that's a big handicap. But uh, we'll move on to your next one. Who, who you got as your next breakout upperclassman? Upperclassman, I'm going Jordan Murphy. Um, he just like brings – yeah, man. I mean, you wrote the good piece on him about two or three weeks ago about how the balls need to find a way to get him the ball more, just kind of like I did with Josh Palmer last year. 
Um, I mean, he just brings a whole new element to this offense, he's vertical, explosive. Uh, they could use him in jailbreak screens. They could use him, like I said, in vertical uh, vertical situations and down the field. And then plus you've got two bigger uh, body receivers in Callaway and Palmer, like you mentioned in your article, who can also stretch the field. And then you've got Jawan Jennings, you've got DWA, you've got Chandler coming out of the backfield. I mean, you can run all types of different concept schemes. You can run all different just types of routes, um, all different types of things you can do if you have Murphy on the field. And, I mean, dude, just get him out there, see what he can do, let him play. And, honestly, I didn't know he was a junior. I thought he was a sophomore this year. So, the fact that he's a junior even stresses the fact that you need to get him on the field even more because he, he, he wants to get out there and ball. So, just let him get out there and do it. Yeah, he made a handful of plays last year. Um, almost all of them came down the field. You yeah. know, e- even if the guy doesn't have the ball in his hands, get him out there and force the safety to take notice. Right. You know, yeah. and, and run him out of the box and then hand it off up the middle. That makes a difference. Just just getting that guy on the perimeter. Uh, you know, defenses know this guy has speed and they're going to have to worry about him. So, of course, the problem there is, you know, Tennessee's got a bunch of good receivers right now. So, uh, we we might see him emerge as a major player next season. Uh, my next one was DeAndre Johnson. Uh, you Longer. know the, the the edge rusher you know, on the other side uh, of Daryl Taylor. Uh, Tennessee's got one proven pass rusher. That's it. Uh, everything else is an unknown. They've got to have somebody emerge um, opposite of Taylor. Tennessee can't. Uh, ha- they can't have to bring seven men to get pressure. You know, that's, that's too much too much pressure on Alante Taylor and Bryce Thompson and man coverage. They've got to be able to get some with four and five man blitzes. I just think a guy like that, uh, it, you know, has good length, has good speed. He, he flashed in the orange and white game. A guy like that really needs to emerge, and he could really take Tennessee's defense to the next level. Any kind of pass rushing depth, any kind of just anything per- at all. Yes, any type of production at that position, I'll take it all day long. Absolutely. Um, I, I'll go. I'll go again, and then I'll let you hit your final one. Uh, Dominic Wood Anderson. Uh, this is a guy that started at tight end last year. Um, you know, we talked about the receivers uh, attracting a lot of attention. This is a guy that should be making hay. Yep. In the middle of the field. You yep. know, we, we still don't know who he is. He wasn't really used very much last year. Just caught a bunch of short passes. Um, I, I think that he's a senior now. Uh, I, I think he could be a really nice security blanket for Jared Garantano. You know, you talk about those big receivers on the outside, attracting those safeties. Things should come free for, for Wood Anderson, and hopefully Garantano can find him a bunch this season. Yeah, that's honestly a uh, kind of a story that's been kind of undercovered, in my opinion. And I have my own questions about why he wasn't really featured as much as you would have thought he would have been, especially where he was ranked coming out of the JUCO level. And just the fact how Pruitt and company talked him up um, during the off season. So, you know, he caught that touchdown in the opener against West Virginia, but I believe that was the only pass he caught. And then from there on out, like you said, just used very, very sparingly. So, And maybe that was just a fact of we didn't have an offensive line, and he's a big body, so we needed him in there to help chip. You know, obviously that affects his routes and all that stuff. But, um, yeah, a very, very curious uh, development going on with him. And 
like I feel something that hasn't been covered like it should, but yes, certainly he's somebody that needs to step up. Uh, my guy that I'm going to go with is uh, Brandon Kennedy, and this is kind of like Aubrey Solomon. It's a little bit conditional. Obviously, he's got to recover from that ACL he tore just a couple days after the West Virginia game. I think he'll be ready before the season starts. But, I mean, just his path to get to where he's at now, um, I mean, I, you can't help but root for the guy. And honestly, I think he's going to come back. Obviously, this year or last year, he was motivated, you know, with the whole Nick Saban saga and all that stuff with Saban trying to block his transfer and all that junk. Um, and honestly, after going through that, after getting your chance to start and then tearing your ACL just two days after, you know, your first your, your first game playing for the balls where, you, honestly, you didn't really play that well, I'm sure he's going to have a fire lit and he's going to be ready to come out this year and, uh, and, and do some damage. Yeah, it's kind of heartbreaking. You know, you go through all that, and then the first play of the game, you get run over on a screen. God, and... I still have, like, visions of that play. <laughs> I, I could see it playing in my head right now. It was just a, a horrible start. Lost this season. So, uh, that guy's a senior. Uh, you know, you're talking about starting two, at least two true freshmen on this offensive line. Tennessee needs that senior uh, leadership, especially at the center position, the guy that kind of gets the offensive line in check. Uh, it gets everybody in their in their spots. Uh, get, they could really use a, a healthy Brandon Kennedy this year, and just for overall depth, you know, Melvin McBride, another Tennessee offensive lineman, retired. Uh, you know, that's a 2019 signee, kind of an odd situation there, but that's the fifth or sixth Tennessee offensive lineman to retire. So uh, they can't really afford to lose anybody, especially a veteran presence like that. Uh, a guy that can be out there on the field and, and bring those young guys along. So I uh, definitely agree with, with your assessment there. Uh, next three uh, will be underclassmen. Uh, once again, I'll let you start. Give me your first underclassman that needs to step up. So he obviously stopped, uh, stepped up last year, but he's going to need to do it even more just because the balls are going to be relying on youth once again this year, just like they did last year. Bryce Thompson. I mean, it's pretty obvious. He was arguably the best cornerback on the team last year. I mean, don't get me wrong. That's not taking anything away from Elante Taylor. That's not taking anything away from Trayvon Flowers. Um, but Bryce Thompson was just absolutely legit, was the top-graded uh, freshman defensive back in the country, according to PFF College Football. And he was recently just named uh, third-team preseason All-SEC all by Phil, Phil Steele. So the guy – has got to live up to these expectations, maybe even supersede expectations. Um, and if he does that, that's one half of the field locked down right there for the balls in the defensive backfield, and that will do nothing but help the pass rush show, which needs all the help they can get. So um, Bryce Thompson, man, that's my number one guy for sure. Absolutely. Uh, I think that's a guy that's going to become, uh, you know, maybe not just an impact player, maybe one of Tennessee's best players. Uh, th this year, so uh, I'll go ahead with the obvious, and I'll go ahead and and uh, and, and make it a two for one here. Wanya Morris, Darnell Wright, uh, they've got to come in from day one, and they've got to have their breakout year. You know, starting from day one in, in fall camp, they've got to man the left tackle and right tackle spot. They've got to protect Jerry Garantano. We've already seen Wanya Morris uh, go through spring practice. Um, he was uh, he took his lumps in, in that spring game. You know, watching that back, he looked a little slow. Maybe he wasn't quite in, in up to par in, in terms of being in shape. Uh, but just looked a tick slow. He's got some work to do there. Uh, but both five-star players, both coming in with huge expectations. 
you know, a task with not only protecting Jared Garantano, but uh, blowing open some running lanes. You know, Jim Chaney's going to want to run the football. He's got a stable of backs. Tennessee has to be able to, to run the football. So those guys have to hit the ground running from day one. Right. And, I mean, how long has it been since Tennessee has had an effective offensive line, an effective running game, effective pass, or effective pass protection? I mean, just Lord, my uh, God. The days of Josh, Josh Dobbs, probably. Right. And, I mean, even then, he did a lot of things, like yeah. you pointed out in the past, he did a lot of things with his legs that, that compensated for the lack on certain. And whatever he made up for on those plays with his legs, no telling how it would have turned out if it was another quarterback back there. So, yeah, man, they've got to step it up and they've got to get something done this year. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I'll give you another freshman that needs to step up is Roman Harrison. You know, Tennessee – kind of struck out uh, in terms of finding a pass rusher uh, in the 2019 class. Roman Harrison was bumped up from a three-star to a four-star. Coming in with with decent expectations now, I I think he's got a pass to the field to immediately crack the the, the rotation in that top four. Um, I, I think, you know, similar to DeAndre Johnson, Tennessee just needs someone to emerge in this pass rush. Roman Harrison could be a dark horse Maybe not to start, uh, you know, but he could be that next guy, that that third guy in that rotation. Man, I was so close to picking him, and yeah, <laughs> he could, he could he could be. I, I love what Roman Harrison can do. I mean, he's versatile. He can play all over the defense, um, and I mean, honestly, yeah, he could have a Daryl Taylor type role this year, where he records two or three sacks in a couple different games here on and there. I mean, just depending on what situations you put him in and stuff. And, dude, yeah, if, if he can come in and just be at least a situational player, that will just add an entirely different element. I mean, honestly, when it comes to defense, I can't think of a really a situational player that Tennessee has had on defense over the past few years. You know, everybody's kind of had a defined role. So just to have somebody come in and do have be some kind of specialist, I feel like could really benefit this defense, especially with Pruitt and his aggressive mindset. Yeah, and I, I think that speaks to their lack of depth. You know, it just seems Definitely. like, yeah, you know, right. it's been the starting 11 and, and not much else, not many other options off the bench. You know, guys like Roman Harrison, uh, Jordan Allen, those guys are, are going to have to step up. You know, I'm not saying they will. I'm not saying that at all, but uh, they definitely need to take that ne- next step forward to help out what's still a young secondary. No, for sure. And speaking of a young secondary, my second guy is – the other half of the defensive backfield, and that's Alante Taylor. Honestly, man, when Pruitt decided to move him to cornerback last year, I was honestly a little disappointed in that decision at first just because I knew what Alante Taylor could bring to the offense in Tennessee outside of – I mean, he's kind of like Jordan Murphy, but just not as fast. Um, You know, he just has great hands. He's got great length. He's got good athleticism, good agility. He's got good speed. And that's really something Tennessee doesn't have in one player. They have it, you know, distributed across three or four different players, that receiver. But not not all those traits belong to one receiver in general. But, man, holy hell. This is why, you know, Jeremy Pruitt's a good coach, at least when it comes to the defensive backfield, is he – it was almost a natural fit. I mean, he came right in played effectively he was wet he was solid he was consistent for the most part I mean don't get me wrong he had his bumps he had his ups and downs but that comes with any kind of freshman playing the position especially after a rece- after a position change but man 
him and Bryce Thompson arguably have the best shot to be one of the better cornerback duos in the country by the end of this year. And that's not that's none of that's my bias coming through. I mean, I honestly believe that. And if he continues on this path and with another year under Pruitt developing him, I really feel like he could be something special. Isn't it wild how this secondary has come along? I, I mean, when oh, Pruitt got I, here, he saw four corners leave the program. And, yep. and nobody to replace him. Uh, and then, you know, he really didn't sign any, and he, he finds two athletes. He finds Bryce Thompson after signing day. He found him, found yep. him in, like, May. You know, both of those guys come in, and they start from day one, and they were pretty daggum good. You know, they ran into to a buzzsaw to, to open against West Virginia there, uh, giving up a bunch of yards to Will Greer, but – you know, that's kind of to be expected. Right. Uh, but, you know, Pruitt went on, on Birmingham radio this week, and he said uh, just having the trust in his corners, uh, it was something that he didn't have last year when he was calling the defense. Now Derek Ansley is, is going to be calling the defense. But he believes that, that Derek Ansley is going to have that trust in those corners. Uh, you know, all that's going to do is going to – it's going to allow Derek Ansley to be as aggressive as he wants. If he wants to send seven – he can leave those two guys out in man coverage with confidence. And and I think it's a pretty big deal. For sure. Let's do it. I want to see it. <laughs> All right. My last guy is sticking in the secondary, Trayvon Flowers. Uh, you know, Micah Abern- Abernathy is no longer with the program. Uh, they're going to have to fill that second safety role. I, I think Flowers is as good a bet of, of any to do that. Was banged up last year, but had his flashes on the football field. Uh, you know, could play alongside of, of Nigel Warrior there. But, man, this Tennessee secondary uh, has a lot of upside to it. Trayvon Flowers only a sophomore. So uh, he, he could be in a starting role this fall. Easily. I mean, and we saw what he could do last year. Again, he had his ups and downs. I mean, that's that's going to happen. Um, but, yeah, this this Vols team, again, has a lot of playmakers in the secondary over the past few years, especially at the safety position. We thought Todd Kelly had uh, some potential there at one point, but I think he just kind of fell off. And outside of that, it hasn't really been much. So it would be nice to see the back, the back end of the defense um, solidified, especially if we get somebody to play that single high role. Because you know how much Jerry Pruitt loves, especially you watch Nick Saban's defense, they're in, they're in single high all the time. I mean, Deontay Thompson, there's no telling how many times he was in single high coverage. So it would be great to be able to see Tennessee play that, you know, get some cover zero out there going, some cover one looks, and that way they could be way more aggressive up front, which obviously would benefit the pass rush at the end of the day. Yeah, I believe we've got one more defensive playmaker. I'll, I'll let you uh... – uh, give give your assessment of, of this guy who I think could be just a an absolute monster for Jeremy Pruitt. Dude, Kavaris Crouch, man, yeah. Um, obviously, it's going to be tough. I will. They obviously have a kind of a role already figured out with him. They're going to have him playing linebacker, but dude is an absolute monster. He's an athlete can just absolutely wreck a backfield, um, played running back as well in the high school. So he's got all kinds of athleticism. He's got instincts. He's got vision, everything you need to play the linebacker spot. Um, Raved as the number three overall athlete in the country by 24-7's composite. Having him, I don't – like I said, they're planning on playing him on the outside right now. 
you get him and J.J. Peterson, and then you've got whoever playing in the middle. I can't think of it just right off the top of my Batuli. head. Yes, Batuli, yeah, Batuli are going, and then Toto probably, right, as well. Right. Yes. Right. So, I mean, dude, that's, A, outside of Batuli, that's a young linebacker core, and, B, that's an athletic linebacker core that's going to be able to cover all angles of the field. And we've seen – what Alabama's defense has done with their linebackers over the years past, and you have to help. You can't help but think that's what Pruitt's going to do with these guys, and that that makes you excited if if you followed along over the past couple of years. That's sideline to sideline speed out of four guys. You know, yeah, all those all those guys could could chase down any back in this conference. Any uh, too. And, and yeah, and Pruitt talks about that. He calls them the four for four guys, the guy that can play all four spots, guys that can line up on the edge fire off the edge and get some pressure. So I think we have to take that into account, too. Um, you know, it, it doesn't take a true edge rusher. Maybe a guy like Crouch uh, can come off of the edge, you know, line up off a right tackle and get some pressure. Uh, he's certainly athletic enough to do so. So I'm fascinated uh, to see how Pruitt and Ansley use all these linebackers. I, I think that's going to be one of the storylines to watch. So this defense as a whole – I feel pretty good about, you know, if they can find some playmakers up front, that, that's something that they haven't really landed on the recruiting trail. They haven't landed that stud, uh, you know, five-star defensive tackle yet. They've got a lot of pieces. They've gotten a lot bigger uh, over the last year there. Uh, don't know if they have the difference maker, but the linebacking core at the secondary, uh, really, really good. In a couple of years, they, they're going to be one of the best in the SEC. You know, that, that's weird to say, but. Um, Pruitt has certainly laid that foundation there. So from that part, it's exciting. Now, the offense has to catch up. You know, whether or not Jared Garantano can do that this year, we'll see whether or not this offensive line is ready to play. We'll see. But anyways, you know, that, that's, uh, that's, that's what we got tonight. Those three, those, those, what we named 12 players, um, need to, need to step up. If they do, Tennessee will be in pretty good shape. So, uh, look for this podcast if you like what you heard. Uh, you know, subscribe to us on iTunes wherever you get your your podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, any of that. Um, you know, as always, check out the site RockyTopTalk.com. Uh, we will catch up with you guys next week with uh, with a fun topic uh, that that we just came up with before this show. So we're going to talk about if you could add any three players. Historically speaking, from any three teams of Tennessee's past, who would it be? So whether it's Peyton Manning, whether it's Tyler Bray, uh, whether it's Reggie White, who would you add to this roster? So be thinking about that, and uh, we'll talk to you guys next week.